to Marner. Back in front of the goal for Nice! Who scores? Welcome to the first line, Matthew Nice! Domi in pursuit, and it's off the boards, cut off by, uh, by Robertson. Robertson again! Big save, rebound! Scores! Yardcrook circle Nick Robertson! But it is Yardcrook who ties the game! Here's Nylander, and across the line. Works to the right wing boards, dropping it back. Morgan Riley in front, they score! Yard wins the game! Willie Nylander will get a point! His streak continues, but the Maple Leafs win it in overtime! Ben Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Uh, I guess the Maple Leafs have figured out the formula against the Tampa Bay Lightning, at least during this regular season. Mm is score the first goal. Yes. And then have Ilya Samsonov be a total sieve. Yeah. The ghosts of Michael Hutchison. <laughs> right. This time allow four consecutive goals as opposed to last time in Tampa. It was only three consecutive mm, on yes. four shots. He was yanked. In steps Joseph Wall, almost shutting the door entirely the rest of the way, allowed one mm, kind of questionable goal uh, yeah. in the third period. And then win the game in overtime. The Leafs play exclusively exhilarating games against the team that they beat in six games in the postseason last year and a much-needed 6-5 overtime victory snapping a four-game losing streak yesterday in a game we both attended. I was going to say, I, I thought you said you were going to say they cracked the code and it was just have a couple of strapping Burlington guys yeah, in right. the press box. I, I feel like there's probably some other Burlington guys poking around in that press box. Just, just to guess on that one, but you and I in attendance, as you so wonderfully tweeted, Maple Leafs 1-0 with <laughs> Fan Morning Show in attendance. I mean... You're right. Go back to the playoffs. Only exciting games. Go back to the one we've already seen this year. Played out the exact same way. Uh, Quickly, because I don't want to dwell on it, you mentioned the tying goal there. That was both of the kids who had great games kind of eating it a bit. Nick Robertson can't stop up a puck that gets rimmed out, and it's, I think, Colburn who ends up shooting it. Well, it's not Colburn, because we're going to talk to him later Mm -hmm. on. That's why I've got him on the brain. But whoever the D is who throws it on net, and then Hagel's able to get a play of it past Wall. So on the tying goal there, both young kids who had great games in Robertson and Wall would have liked to have been better but man how can you uh, how can you do anything other than tip your cap to the Leafs team after after that result and I know a weird thing to say about a game where you had to go to overtime and you found yourself down 4-1 but that wasn't on the team no that was that was an incredible comeback for a team that yeah again was 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 going through it narrative-wise and was booed off the ice. And, and Austin Matthews said, rightly so, after yep. the opening 20 minutes of the hockey game, they weren't getting totally dominated no. in possession in those those opening 20 minutes. A couple of power play goals um, that the goaltenders allowed to stop. He didn't, though. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, you're the, also allowed to not give Nikita Kucherov the cleanest look mm, of all time. Like, mm, true, mm-hmm. true, the goalie can stop that, but yeah. it is also, you're allowed to not give the guy other than, like, Ovechkin that we think of of setting up in a spot on the power play. Does you Ilya, don't have to do that. Does Ilya Samsonov have a thing about his countrymen who's mm. now, like, racked up a because bazillion uh, points yes. in the last, like, two periods? Not even two full periods I don't against know what it, Samsonov. I, this is just complete anecdotal evidence, but I feel like all the Russian guys, more than any other countrymen, love beasting each other. Like, yeah. we see this with Ovechkin all the time. Not so much now that he's a little more graybeard, but early Ovechkin, anytime he's playing a Russian guy, he's taking runs at them just to prove, like, I'm the alpha Russian. So, I don't know. I just think that's kind of... 
it's kind of how they roll. And uh, yeah, it's uh, not going well for him against anybody right now, but definitely not against Kucherov. No, uh, a, a robust save percentage for uh, Mr. Samsonov yesterday of 667. Making eight saves on on twelve shots and and Joseph Wall full value for the victory mm-hmm. there despite the the little a bit of a soft goal at the end of regulation you just wanted him to squeeze a rebound there that's all yep. yeah 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 uh, and then gets the victory in, in overtime for again a Leafs team that changes so much with the two points against their mm-hmm. Atlantic Division rivals and uh, do the Lightning look a little different with their franchise goaltender yeah they may you think I. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting decent work, though, out of Jonas Johansson so far well, this season. There was plenty of opportunity for him to look the exact same way through the first period that that uh, Samsonov did on the Leaf side of things. So, you know, say what you will about, about the kid who they've had in net. He's made pretty much all of, if not all of their starts this year. They're riding him like he's an old school starting goalie. And I think it's because it's understood, like you're going to go and then the tires will fall off and then hopefully Vasilevsky's back and we'll kind of deal with the rest when it, when it comes. But yeah, you know, it wasn't Jonas Johansson standing on his head by any means. I mean, he stopped 27 of 33 that he faced, but the Leafs were really putting pressure in the first period. And then obviously it continued second and third, but yeah, if they, if they would have had Ilya Samsonov in net, it would have looked, the scoreline would have looked the exact opposite uh, at the end of the first period. I honestly think I, I don't disagree. Like goaltending is kind of important to the sports ass the Edmonton Oilers, who we'll get to later on in the program, who lose yet again to the Vancouver Canucks. So there's a lot of positives to take away from a hockey game that I honestly, I thought we were going to, after 20 minutes, I thought mm-hmm. today's show would be holy. You thought oh. yesterday's show was panic land in, in Leafs land. Like what, what is five straight and getting blown out of your own building uh, after giving up four goals in the opening period, what is what does today's show look like? Instead, it's the complete opposite. Yeah, there was, I'm trying to remember if it was the second Tampa goal where, and, you know, I'll be honest, like my eyes were super trained on this player last night because I wanted to see some some more good than I maybe had been seeing when you're on, when you're able to watch from, from the couch. And my eyes were super trained on Tyler Bertuzzi last night and he had a chance to, now again, it wasn't a bad play that he made, but he had a chance to kind of blow something up on the forecheck and nine seconds later I turned to you and I said why can't he just get a piece of something there and then you said because the puck has to end up in the back of the net because that's how quick it happened it just seemed like it was a spiraling game that that was going to go that way and it would have been so discouraging to have seen you you find something for some of these guys who you've been looking for something from. I mean, Nice has had a two-goal game already, so I don't want to say he's given you nothing, but... Yeah, two-goal game was also against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, exactly, right? But And it's the one time you really said, wow, I love what we're getting out of Nice tonight. You saw him there, the third line, and we're going to talk about a ton about that today. You love their game there. So it's just so important to kind of be able to... It's not just... I think that's the thing that, that stands out about this game to me. It's not just... Ah, they found a way and Matthews put the team on his back. I mean, it was certainly some of that and the big boys doing their part again, but you actually found maybe something with some of these pieces that have been lost in the wilderness. Max Domi, Robertson and Yarncroft, that line looked great. It's not going to look like that every night. You cannot have that expectation, but they looked really, really good. Nye's up in the top spot. It is the best fit we've seen. I mean, that play he makes on the goal to kind of swat the puck down, give himself a chance, tuck it, tuck it past Johansson. Incredible, incredible play. He just looks so comfortable playing with those guys. So I think that's the reason why this is most encouraging. We've seen this Leafs team, you know, 
pulled themselves out of some jams many, many times in the past. But the fact that they're doing it in a way that looks a little different is what I think you can be. Yeah, those by. are all great things. And I think the biggest development longer term is, yeah, maybe finding something like secondary scoring with a third line that's capable of creating offense. It's all well. We cannot go any further in the mm-hmm. program without talking about Austin Matthews. Yes. With now 13 goals. Through 12 games, man, he had two goals before the midway point of the hockey game. And mm-hmm. who didn't think he was en route to a a fourth hat trick already this season? Uh, unfortunately for him, he never got a chance to shoot on the empty net, which I thought. Oh I my, mean, he I, did I, have an excellent chance at the first second of overtime. Oh, my goodness. He had multiple chances in the second half of the hockey game to score his third. I guess he got to settle for 13 through 12. And, and now this is where I'm at, right? Like we're. Th- 12 games, man. Yeah, like, this yeah. is not the tiniest sample nope. anymore. Gretzky had nine through 12 in 81-82. Yes, in his record-setting 92-goal season. Austin Matthews is on pace, obviously, yeah. for well over, well, not well over, but over 82 goals this season. You asked me before the show, like, where do you set the over-under yeah. where you're taking yeah, you told, you the called under? Me, you called me a coward for setting it at 62 and yeah, a half. Yeah, come on. What McDavid had what sixty six yesterday? Sixty five, sixty six. One of those. Yeah, yeah, last year. Okay, so let's just set it at that then. Can he outdo McDavid's uh, sixty four last season? I mean, no one wants to hear this today. But if if you set oh, the number at sixty four, I'm taking. So, I am taking the under. Man, look, <laughs> like horrible. I know, I know, and I don't know why you put me in this spot because I don't want to come on here and say <laughs> you this don't today. Have to. Well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Just lie and get my pom poms out? Yeah. I'd love him to score seventy goals, mm. and then we do get to have uh, everyone in Edmonton's favorite conversation. Like, not is he better, but. Do we get to have a conversation about them being on the same tier? Mm, oh yeah, they yeah. get very irked by even the. <laughs> no matter how you phrase, they get hey, very, very. How irked. many times has Austin Matthews missed the playoffs? Uh, that'd be zero. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, what's, what's happening there in Edmonton? It is not going well. But in terms of what you're what you're getting out of Matthews, I mean, yeah, you said. I think that's where. Let me put it this way: the fact that set, and you're right, that setting the over under at sixty two and a half is a little cowardly. Mm-hmm. That tells you everything you need to know about the start he's he's had to the year. And honestly, it is we talk a lot about things that are refreshing in this market. Oh, you know, it's just nice to see Nylander have the start he's had. It's nice to see this, nice to see that. It is so nice to not have to talk about Austin Matthews' defensive acumen. It's great. Like, mm-hmm. we'll have that conversation at plenty of times this year. I'm sure when the playoffs roll around, that'll be something we focus on ad nauseum. But you know why we talked about it so much last year? Because he had 40 goals mm-hmm. and not... 60 or potentially 65 or whatever he's on pace for. It is just so nice to be able to focus on the fact or the facet of his game that he's most known for and seeing a guy get off and running like this. I mean, the emotion he showed on, I can't remember if it was the first goal or the the second goal, but mm-hmm. that was, Oh, he didn't want people to go to bed so early. Is, is what that, he said. That's what he said. Okay. Well I was awake, uh, but that was a guy who like that's playoff level. Mm-hmm emotion out of a guy. We had the conversation yesterday of him taking ownership of the team. And I don't think anyone can sit here and say he doesn't do that. I mean, you, you look at it and it's just, he is the fully formed version of himself. And you get, I mean, when you get one goal a night from a guy, like every night we look at the goal props and it's minus something for, for Matthews to score. And that makes sense because he's just the most dangerous guy in the game right now. And it's honestly, I, I have said this so many times, but you have to it, you have to hammer it home again. Just be thankful. You know, have all the conversations you want to have about consternation, being angry, and the pairs don't work, or this doesn't. That guy is, without a shadow of a doubt, 
the greatest player to ever play in that building for like a local team. Like I know Gretzky and Jordan and everybody has come through, but like, go ahead, like lump Raptors in lump anybody that he's the greatest leaf of all time. But there's a world where a hundred years from now, we're talking about the greatest guy that ever played in that arena. And like, you know, I know arenas don't mean what they used to or whatever, but it is so special the place he holds in this in this market, and honestly, we just we just sometimes have to give him his flowers because I think well, we get so bogged down in the minutia that we don't always do that. I think beyond that, we get very myopic as far as the ultimate goal of this hockey team in winning a Stanley Cup and the playoff failures and all that's still real, and we'll we'll have that conversation yeah, in April when it's time, yeah, and May. But boy, it, you're really missing the forest for the trees if you're not soaking in what has happened already during regular seasons for this guy and what is happening this regular season yeah. for Austin Matthews. Can he continue? Can he can he surpass 65 goals? Can he get to 70? I, I probably not, but and he's shooting over 20%, but he's had seasons where he's he's shot in the in the high 18%. It's not like he's shooting 50%. It is is unbelievable what he has done so far this season. And now for the first time this year, it does feel like there is chemistry with somebody flanking him to his left, and 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 it's the guy that's from his home state of Arizona. Yeah, it is a kind of a happy happenstance there, the the way that works out. And I think the other part of it as well is that, you know, we don't no one's gonna sit here and say Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are old, but they've been in this market a long time. Some of the players they played with have played with them for a long time. They've had so many guys roll through and to not have a, you know, and like, again, I'm the, I think I'm the president of the Michael Bunting fan club in this city. Sorry to his family, but I, I feel like even I'm up for, up for that with them. But that was a guy who was going to be here for two years and it was always going to be tough to figure out the money beyond that. Hyman, the writing was starting to go on the wall towards the tail end of things. You sit here and you see a guy in Matthew Nyes and you say, why Why can't he be stapled to one of those two for the next five, six years or whatever it is of, I'm about to use baseballism, team control that they have with him. And you can build some chemistry. You can dream. And it's just a big, strong, young kid. When was the last time they saw that come up? God love Nick Robertson. Absolutely adored his game last night. Mm-hmm. He ain't that. No, okay? He's very, he's very sturdy. He's very stocky. But he's not... It's not Matthew Nyes, who's, you know, six foot one or whatever he is and bowling guys over and looking strong as an ox and charging to the net. I can only imagine what it does for those guys to see that and go, oh, wow, we do have one more coming. Yeah, it, it this is something that we could have envisioned happening. I mean, I think last time we had Luke Fox on, I asked him, hey, what is the eventual landing spot for that, that top line left wing uh, position? And he, I think, along with many other people, mm-hmm. said Matthew Nyes. Thought we'd probably get there at some point this season. Maybe this is a little earlier in the proceedings than than I anticipated. But it was not fait accompli. Like, this is also a position where it felt like Tyler Bertuzzi was ready-made mm-hmm. and the perfect piece to throw into the puzzle there. It did not fit. Now, not to say that, again, like, this is going to be, <laughs> as a, judging by uh, Sheldon Keefe's previous um Previous seasons, mm. his previous thought processes. This is unlikely to be oh, you the don't think set, it's set lines it and forget it for, for the next seventy games. 
But early returns, man. Again, like I, I talk about proof of concept mm-hmm. when it comes to the Raptors and Scotty Barnes and at least, oh, wow, we can see. And it's good to to like establish in the minds of some of those other players that this is this is possible, especially yep. early in the proceedings, like right out of the gates. Hey, Scotty Barnes is taking a leap. He's the centerpiece of this offense. Hey, Darko Ryakovich, his offense is working. This is something we can believe in and, and, and not get afraid about the process um, for a first-year head coach. Hey, first game, Matthew Nyes on the top line to look as dominant. And it's not just the results, too. It's it's the process mm-hmm. there. It looked amazing. That that line looked as good as it has looked all season. For a guy that was already, you know, already had three hat tricks going into yesterday, that line didn't look as dominant in any game this season as it did yesterday against the Lightning. Can we just park on the fact that we talk about Austin Matthews having three hat tricks already this season, like he's had a couple of double-doubles? Like right. It's like, yeah, you know, nice start to the year. Three hat tricks. Three hat tricks. Yeah. That's a career for a lot of guys. And good goal scorers, too. He had so many two-goal games last year where he wasn't able to to kind of get over over the hump there. Uh, I was looking this up while you were talking. Uh, the idea of McDavid, you threw him out as his number. So through his first 12 games last year, he had 12 goals. Mm, so even out doing... 13 assists, 25 points, though. So yeah, no, pretty special. I mean, yeah. 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 He had a good year last year. Yeah, he did. He did. I'm just, There's a reason why people predicted that that Oilers team this season to yeah. be a cup contender. And we will get to them. But in terms <laughs> of the in in terms of the Leafs, what you get out of Matthews, I mean, that's just that's the fully formed vision. You close your eyes and you see it. I mean, you got a better version of Marner last night. You see him shoot one in the net, and you know that's the. <laughs> In, in the past, we'd have that game and you go, hmm, I think you need to switch Nylander and Marner. You got to spread it out, get the two of them going. We're not doing that. You just got to let this line roll for a bit. And this is where I have my issues with Sheldon Keefe is that I think he's going to watch that game or watch it back or, or, you know, however, whatever his process is and say, love the first line, love the third line. And I hope, I hope he says to himself, let's give the second line another chance let's do that again let's not ruin what we have with the first and third lines to try to reinvigorate or retool that second line generally that second line has has been together for a couple of they have been together for a couple of games but it it looked rough they were the guys who all had dashes on the team yesterday and generally speaking sheldon keith is not that's the thing he's going to look at he's not going to look at that they didn't produce anything in a game where the Leafs scored a ton of goals and say that's the problem Mm -hmm. he's going to look at it and say they're the guys who are out there for for a bunch of the dashes so (laughs) i mean it's hard to to go through a 60 minute 60 plus minute hockey game and have all four of your lines be productive and real real good and i would say in an overall sense, William Nylander has been quite oh, good no, no. this season. I am not. Don't take this as me saying, ah, you got to switch it up. I am saying the exact yeah. opposite. That, that line has proven things. terrified that that's I going to happen. I am terrified that that's going to happen. But Nylander and Tavares, even before Bertuzzi got thrown there, yeah. they have had a ton of chemistry. And maybe most importantly as to why it won't switch, point streak stayed alive. Yeah, it did uh, with the overtime goal. Uh, let's talk about the third line, though. Yes. Which is, okay, th- this team... The real first... No, no, <laughs> no. For the better part of a decade here, this Leafs team has tried to figure out something with a third line. Mm-hmm. Some some way to Brian create... Brian Boyle has rolled through. <laughs> some secondary scoring, and it just it has not happened. And, and it might not happen with this iteration, but again, early returns on the Max Domi, uh, Nick Robertson... Pairing alongside Callie Yarncroft, who had a great game yesterday, including the overtime winner. Yeah, a two-goal game. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That 
I mean, it wasn't, again, we're not just talking about the results. Like, mm-hmm. every time they stepped onto the ice, it felt like the puck Tilted. was in the offense, offensive zone. It totally did. Every time they stepped out there, I mean, there were, I think you you watch a guy like Robertson on a line like that where it's going, and I think the concern it, with a with a player like that is that sometimes some of the caution that you do want somebody to play with, you want them to realize play safe, play a smarter game, is that when things do start clicking offensively, that's when you start to take your risks and your chances. I didn't think that that happened. You know, there were a couple little moments where you hope chemistry gets a little better. Him and Domi, or Robertson and Domi, I should say, came in on a... It wasn't quite a clean two-on-one, but Domi did a good job of working himself into a passing lane, and Robertson wasn't able to stop up on the net there. So there are little chemistry issues that you hope will get will get ironed out there. But And, you know, we all know what Max Domi is defensively, so let's not get carried away with one game. But in terms of what you were able to do carrying the place of play, if you're carrying the play offensively, and this is like this is a throwback to not even recent Kyle Dubas, this is like early early cardigan Kyle Dubas of of the idea of you don't need to play defense if you just have the puck and you guys are cycling the offensive zone and gaining chances. You don't need to worry about what Robertson is defensively or what Domi is defensively. Well, and the whole theory behind this third line uh, when you have a top-heavy roster is that you're going to get the advantageous matchups. We've been saying it forever, maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the bar is lower for that third line. Totally. And, boy, yeah, it, it for the first time this season – you, you felt like something yeah. positive was going to happen with that line. Another another thing too with Domi is, you, you just see that he gets it. He he, I really liked watching him closely last night. How he picked his spots, and you know, it wasn't like it was a snot and snarled filled game. There were certainly some moments last night, but just little things from Domi of little hack here, a little cross check there, just being engaged, staying nasty. But there was also a moment late in the game, and this is after the Leafs had the lead before it got tied up, and there was a bit of a scrum around Wall, and I saw it was Domi out there, and I was curious to see how he was going to react because, you know, we've all heard the tenor, and guess what? He didn't look at anybody, he didn't blink, and this is counter to all the conversations we've had the past couple days. Good. was not the time. You... Had a one goal lead. It was so important for you to leave that building with momentum of feeling that way. I just feel like Domi really gets it, really picking his spots in the best way. I reserve the right to criticize him when mm-hmm. the defensive miscues that are, probably will come end up coming. But right now, especially after last night's game, loved, loved, love what you saw. And, you know, I know this isn't quite the way we build lines in 2023. I don't know that it was ever the way, but hardworking worker B type in Cali Yarncroft, playmaker, shooter. Should work, right? Domi, the playmaker, Robertson, the shooter, should work. And it was Robertson's shot that got the rebound for yeah. Croc's goal. So really, really liked him last night. Yeah, there's a lot of positives, again, to take away from a game that you were trailing 4-1. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the reason why they were trailing 4-1. Quickly on the 4-1 part. Yeah. You all are better people out there than me. The amount of it was 4-1 mm. tweets and texts I saw going around. That's why we don't make those jokes because the game still went to overtime and it could end up the other way. So I don't know. Maybe you all are just able to live your life and have more funds. I As soon as I saw all the it was four ones mm. going around, I said, Mm-mm, don't like this. For a game in early November, yeah. like, yeah, maybe win two rounds of the postseason before you. Well, just just it's not even about the it's just you're so cursed. Maybe don't tempt the sports gods ever, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Ilya Samsonov, not good. 
Okay, no. Leafs in an overall sense. I, I, I talked about the, the bar for goaltending being higher maybe with this group than it has been in years previous. Well, not if you, you score six goals in a hockey game, I suppose. Um, but they are now below league average in net in an overall sense. The save percentage as a team dropping below 900 entirely on the weakness of Ilya Samsonov's 855 save percentage this season. And just like Austin Matthews is unlikely to score 80 goals this season, mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov is not going to have an 855 save percentage this season. I got to be honest, it's a little scary which one of those I have more faith in right well, now. Well, <laughs> so this is the thing. It's not going to be 855, but I, I don't think it's going to be 919 again mm-hmm. either, which it was a season ago, which was by far his best season mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. A guy with high pedigree that at times had shown it, but not over the course of an entire season. 42 games in the year 2022 is a full season for Ilya Samsonov. This is why you don't do the Jack Campbell thing and hand over a half decade of big money mm-hmm. to a goalie with limited uh, track record of success. He's going to be better than he's shown this season. But again, we're in the spot where, hey, Joseph Wall wasn't going to be an, uh, a 955 save percentage guy either. But clearly the guy at this point in the season that you have way more faith in. How how can you not? I mean, let's just start with what we know about Samsonov. And I don't, begr- I don't, I don't want to hold this against him, but it's just a fact we have out there. He's been honest about the mental health struggles, the mental part of the position, however you want to frame that. It didn't get any better when the team took an arbitration and it had what everyone has reported to be a pretty, I don't know, maybe nasty is too strong a term, but at the very least contentious hearing. Generally speaking, you go in a room with your bosses and they tell a third party how much you stink. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, not going to go well for mor- morale and vibes there. Then he has the start he has to the year and you're spiraling, you're, you're swimming, you're trying to get it back. You think you have it. You think you have a game where you say, oh, okay, there it is. Now you're back. And then you immediately revert back to this form. Now, I think the good thing that the Leafs have going for them in that regard is that they have no choice. They're going to put them back out there soon. They got a back-to-back coming up this weekend. Obviously, tomorrow they get the Sens uh, and then Flames Canucks on the weekend. He's going to get one of those two games. This feels like a seismic shift in the conversation could be happening if he has another game where it is a stinker, I, I should probably stop comparing everyone to the worst version of this. But I mean, how can you not imagine it's going to spiral? Where's the roadmap for it getting any better? Maybe the Sweden trip gives them a new lease. Goalies are weird. But that is the concerning part to me is we've seen this movie before where things spiral early on in this market. And for a guy who has been open about wearing all of that and feeling all of that and a position that maybe more so than, I don't know, outside of like golfer, maybe that matters most, the confidence of what you can do. I I don't know what the roadmap is to, to getting better. Even if that's the case, right? Like even if he does not, listen, I I, I find it hard to believe it's going to be, it, he's going to have a ton of games that look as disastrous as the two games against the lightning have this season. I mean, that headman, that first, first Mm. goal. That was the start of the undoing, right? Yeah. Like that's the, and, and yeah, that's, and that's the one that you can point to as, 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 as smelly goal. Like we, we talk about, Hey, they're, they're not 200 foot shots. Yeah. I mean, that was as close to a 200 foot shot type goal where you're talking about an unscreened wrist shot from yeah. the top of the circle. And it's just, 
when you see that go in so early in the game and it, how can you not say it affected his ability to track the puck, catch the puck, all the stuff that we talk about with, with goalies mattering. So I, you know, I'm never say never it's goaltending. It's weird. He actually has a track record. Unlike guys we've tried to talk ourselves into mm-hmm. who don't have one, but yeah, it's concerning. Like, much like, much a, like a Tyler. A track record, a track record of what? Like league average goaltending? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. not a track record of, of, it is not a track record of a guy who can go and steal you a series or anything like that. He's capable of it when he's at his absolute best and it's a long season, but man, he ain't at his best now. And if it's really, honestly, it's awful timing for the first back-to-back of the year because you would love to just give Joe Wall a true run here and I guess you're still going to do that I mean you could set one game off that's fine but yeah you'd, you'd love to give Wall a run because he deserves it you would but you also like still even with that performance yesterday I, I think you're of the belief that you need both goalies again like Joseph Wall so then do you has start been him great in his professional career so then do you start him but he's never started 40 games in a season in any level of hockey nope <laughs> like you're gonna need you're gonna need two goalies here. You're gonna need two goalies, but you have to. It is more. I guess the way I look at it is, it's more important to have one goalie really going than two that are yo-yos. I think is what's more important for this team. And not that Wall has proven he'll be a yo-yo. I think he's proven, if anything, a little steadier. It's what we talked about: the floor versus the ceiling. Although, man, ceiling looked pretty good at times. Mm-hmm. At times yesterday for for Wall. If you're going to say that, then does he have to, does Samsonov have to get the net Friday against the Flames? You don't want to put him out there against, in the back half of a back-to-back against that buzzsaw that is the Canucks. Yeah, are you trying to protect him? Or or do you want to go get your win? I mean, the other thing is like, you know, the the bar is going to be lower against a good team playing real Mm. well, like the Vancouver Canucks with Brock Besser, who's netted 10 goals already this season. They're playing in their Super Bowl. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> this is the game that means the most. Yes. I mean, they've no, no. Sorry, this is uh, this is like the International Bowl. Their mm-hmm. Super Bowl is the game they have to play at four o'clock Vancouver time. Oh, that's that's so true. Yeah, when they have to bend the knee yeah. uh, at home. Yeah, this one is in Toronto. Um, and the first game, or the sorry, the last game before the Leafs head out on on the road to Sweden for those mm-hmm. two games against the Red Wings and and Minnesota Wild. Yeah, I I, I think you take. Like it's still about t- stacking wins and mm-hmm. points, right? Like so, for me, it's Wall gets back-to-back starts here. Ottawa, Calgary. Yep. You give Samsonov the start against the Canucks. Yeah, it, I again, it's it's very funny how much we can take out of all these goaltending conversations because I don't think Sheldon Keefe is going to come out and say, "Yeah, the Canucks are going." We'll send the sacrificial lamb out there on the back half of back-to-back and see what happens. But I do think that's the way they would look at it, and you get your. You get your first guy Just out like there. The decisions become so much easier if you've got a little bit of wiggle room as far as mm-hmm. the points are concerned. Which and, they don't really have right and, now. Yeah, and I, I understand this team on talent alone shouldn't have issues making the play. I mean, tell that to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Obviously, the circumstances are different. But yeah, you're you're able to do a few more things. You're able to... To, to experiment, you know, play Ryan Reeves maybe even more than five minutes in a hockey game if, say, you have the confidence of being points clear of, of the eight spot in the Eastern Conference. 4-32 last night. And did, who can argue with no, it? No, did not play after the middle of the second period. Man, 
I don't know what I don't know what he's I don't know what any of the he involved is supposed to do. I don't know what Sheldon Keefe is supposed to do. Mm, that, I don't. I think it's well, that. You're right. I don't know what Ryan Reeves <laughs> is supposed to do. Well, it was also that. Sit. Okay, just sit there because he had a moment <laughs> early in the game. He grabbed Jano, but guess what? I said it to you. The second they went up 4-1, that was the other part of that is that you don't think Ryan Reeves is itching to go in there and fight Tanner Janot mm-hmm. yesterday with all the conversations we've been having sure. and him being sat the way he has and all the dashes, but then the Lightning get up 4-1 and, oh, that ship has sailed because then once you're charging back, you don't need it. You got the momentum. You don't want to distract or take an extra penalty or anything al- along those lines. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's frustrating. I mean, man, the... I, I don't know about you. I saw the Treliving gif going around a lot from Reeves doing the flexing and uh, and Treliving just dying laughing. It's 12 games ago, and <laughs> he played 432 last night. Well, Brent, was it also 12 games ago the Leafs were in their last scrum? Like, I honestly, like, tell me the last <sighs> last time you saw a scrum, and it wasn't, you know, a significant one, but yeah, we, we got Geo again. Oh, shocker. <laughs> He's just flicking Victor yeah. Hedman's face is just uh, so good. I love it. Oh my and god! The funniest thing I can't was, imagine how annoying oh that would be. Oh my god! It's like this forty-year-old because it's one thing if it's you know sorry William Lagason. It's like mm-hmm. uh, go away, you annoy me. But you know like Geo, like mm-hmm. you hate him, but you respect him. Like he's a you know Norris caliber guy. All this stuff. It was amazing to watch that too from the kind of press box perspective because you see. Klingberg and Gregor, and I can't remember who the other player on the ice was, they're all kind of in there. And then I'll be honest, I did say to myself, God, Marner and Gio, like, can you can you just have a touch of urgency to get in there? They both kind of hum and haw over. And then I blink for two seconds, and Mark Giordano is in the absolute center of the scrum, and like it looked like Gregor was pulling him off, off a guy. It's impossible not to love that. And honestly, you know, I did like his game more last night, but also Klingberg, not hesitant. Like, you don't want to overstate it. He's not Scott Stevens in his prime or Zidane Chara for that matter, but he's a guy who pushed. I, I know we can't talk about it because it's embarrassing that it was the only pushback that happened, but he gave Brad Marchand a shot in the third period of that game on Sunday, just threw him into the corner because he didn't like him. Good, do more of that. He was the guy who defended his teammate last night in that scrum that kind of got it all going. So I, I will say that for a guy who was brought in here and, hey, he's like hit the playbook. Yeah, he snaps it around. Yeah, he's a good skater. Yeah, I hate what goes on in the defensive zone sometimes. That was not necessarily part of the scouting report, and I'll, I'll give him credit. For a team we talk a lot about not doing that, he's kind of been at the center of, of most of those. Yep, uh, and a, a defense core that has uh, John Klingberg and his uh, defensive shortcomings, William Lagason and Simon Benoit. They were both out there with 10 minutes left in the game last yeah, night. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean they, gave up the, do? they gave up the tying goal, but they won the hockey game, all right? Yep. Uh, and uh, Jake McCabe is going to be back sooner rather than later, it does seem. All right, lots more Leafs to come, obviously, after uh, 7 o'clock. But coming up next, man, is there a sea change afoot? In Major League Baseball, when it comes to the position of manager, no, <laughs> I don't know. The Chicago Cubs are making a concerted effort to to be the change they want to see in the world. We'll talk about that next. Just like me giving out big candy bars on Halloween, exactly the same. Yeah, you and the Cubs. All right, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet Five Ninety, the Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Show, Sports Set 5-9 in the fan band and his friend Gunning. It's day two of Major League Baseball free agency. Shohei Otani still hanging out there. Like, what's what's the holdup? On this guy love baseball. What's what's taking him so long? <laughs> no, actually, must be big fan of the show. He heard my request. Yes. He said, can't do it yet. Yeah. Can't do it yet. Yeah, he's holding off. Uh, GM meeting's about to take place. Uh, our man, Shai Davidi. On the scene. Where that- are those? He's somewhere warm. Yeah, I can't okay. tell you off the top of my head. I somewhere. never know where, like, how feel deep like the Nashville, dorkdom, Nashville feels, feels super like, on brand. Yeah, Nashville or, a, or a, I don't know, a Florida. Okay. Let, let's go with that. I, I'm going to go with Nashville. Okay. I feel like I got better odds. <laughs> yeah. Slightly. I, 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 I feel like you got a good shot. And also, what's the difference between the GM and the winter meetings? Why do they need so many? Uh, well, things actually happen at the winter meetings. Do they? Yeah. Okay. The, the the GM meetings not a not a ton. And that's this one. I'm just clarifying. Just yeah, getting my the, timeline correct. Okay. Yeah. I, Look, I think a lot of people are. I have this exact same of why why do they need both so many and one of them matters and one of them doesn't. So GM meetings are this week. They're in Arizona, Scottsdale, Scottsdale Arizona, in honor of Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm, that's that's right. Um, so th- th- there's going to be some legwork being done here, Brent, mm. at the GM meetings and the actual actionable. They should call it finger work because I don't think anybody's walking over to uh, Scott Boris saying, let me let me leg myself yeah. over here. I think they're sending them. You know what? It's a good question. Is, is Scott Boris going to be at the GM, GM meetings? He definitely is at the winter meetings. He does his a- annual state of the the free agent class at the winter meetings mm-hmm. where he like makes a bunch of puns about his clients and I don't know, he's, he's going to work Matt Chapman's name into, into something hilarious. I'm looking forward to Because he's one of the notable free agents. Uh, by the way, Blue Jays did qualify him mm-hmm. with a one-year offer worth north of 20 million bucks that he's going to decline because he's going to make, you know, more mo- than that. I, I guess he, he is. <laughs> I mean, that's just a fact. I will say that... You sound so disappointed no, in no, baseball. No, no, no. I'm not disappointed in baseball. I will say that I nothing is going to shock me more than if Matt Chapman actually produces to the level in mm. which his contract will demand that he produce, right? Like, I I know he had an incredible April. Yeah. That's all he did. Talk, tell our kids about it. And I know he won a gold glove, but I will say that to me, the defense this past season was was down from what it was a season ago, in which he did not win a gold glove. And, and I know you, part of that is injury related with the finger injury late in the season. That's what I was going to ask you. But I feel like that conversation was already starting before the finger injury. It felt like yeah, there was some talk of it. Look, like he's getting older. There's some slippage there. It's like only your man, Brooks Robinson, gets to be a gold glove third baseman forever. Yeah. Scott Rowland was pretty damn good, too. He was the best <laughs> defensive third baseman I've ever seen. No, sorry. Brooks Robinson's for, for, your guy. Sorry. Yeah, I never saw him. I know, but he's your guy. You bring him up all the time. <laughs> he's, he, he was apparently quite good. Anyways, I, I will be shocked if if whoever is the signing team for yes. Matt Chapman is pleased as punch to be paying him north of $20 million for the next half decade. I, maybe it'll be the New Coast York Yankees. Yankees. Agree. And I was like, okay, let me ask you this question. Mm. The 2023 Toronto Blue Jays, the team with super high expectations, mm. got into the playoffs, which is more than the Yankees can say, mm-hmm. considering the amount of money they threw at things yep. uh, this past season. And, hey, the Orioles won 100 and. 100-plus games, but, yeah, won as many postseason games as the Toronto Blue Jays did. Mm-hmm. Who is the face of failure for the 2023 Blue Jays? For Because for my money, it's it's two guys, 
And one guy is going to have a chance to change the narrative around his Blue Jays tenure, and that's Dalton Varsho. The other guy's Matt Chapman. Like, I think of oh. Matt Chapman's dour face. And I think about the 2023 disappointing Toronto Blue Jays. I go to three guys. Uh, one of them who didn't even matter uh, by the end of the year, or let's be honest, by the middle of the year, Alec Manoa, poster boy for Blue Jays failure in 2023. He failed, yeah, but, but failed so pitching, bad he went away. No, but the pitching staff okay, was good. So these are two different conversations to me. It's like he, I have made the point time and time again that somehow losing a Cy Young finalist did not impact the mm-hmm. pitching staff at all. So I, it's fair to say, but I think that's a slightly like to me, when you just, you, I close my eyes, the blue Jays failed. I see three faces. I see Varsho for sure. I see Manoa because I just remember all of the early season stuff. And I, I still do see Vlad. I still, that is yeah. still the face I see because I mean the pickoff at second base, of course, but just so mm-hmm. many big moments and, and look, whether it's fair or not, he is still the quote unquote like face of the franchise, the guy with the most jerseys. He's on all the billboards. When I close my eyes, I and think of this team losing, I think of Vladdy getting picked off at second base. I guess. I, I, like, hey, this yeah, you asked me the question. No, I know, answer. I know, I know. Listen, it's it's my fault. Uh, <laughs> I know. How dare I not give you the answer you wanted, wanted to spurn this conversation along? Who and who, and Matt Chapman. Who do you think of when you think of the failure of the 2013 Blue Jays preseason World Series favorites who notably like had an 11-game winning streak? Um, yeah. Yeah, highlighted by uh, Munanori Kawasaki's walk-off double yes. to get them back to 500. And, and who could have predicted that, that Chen the- Ming Wong pitching for that team was not sustainable? So that, that Kawasaki game I was actually at. Mm-hmm. With uh, Derosa doing it, so yes, I very much remember remember him from that but year. But he's not the no, face no. of that failure. Like no. he's the face of like, oh, may, maybe it's there's something Re- here. Reyes is the guy I yeah. I go to. I can't remember if that was him per se, but it's like that whole. Again, you ask me that era. Yeah. I close my eyes and I see Jose Reyes's face. Yeah, fair, Jose unfair. Yeah, Emilio Bonifacio, oh. Josh Johnson for me, and Ooh. you know Brandon Morrow too. Like there's a there's a bunch of guys. But yeah, no, Brandon for- Brandon Morrow's like he's just the one that got away. Like mm. there's always the one big game and god the arm was so good and yeah yeah so fun there's a bunch of guys in 2013 i guess there's a a bunch of guys last this past season but for me it'll be matt chapman uh best of luck to him in his future endeavors and he's he he doesn't need my uh wishing him well no uh his accountant's gonna be uh quite pleased i was in the next couple of months yeah his accountant's wishing himself well his accountant's like oh I'm so good. Uh, Chad Green also, the uh, Blue Jays exercising their option on him. He gets 21 million bucks over the next couple of years, which is a big chunk of change for a guy who's not a closer, but a guy mm-hmm. who was acquired because of his his um, effectiveness at the back end yep. of a Yankees bullpen and like his consistency and a roll of the dice, but a, a very, uh, I guess in retrospect, smart contract signed by the Blue Jays, understanding that he would not be available to them until late in the mm-hmm. season he was, and then look pretty Chad Green-esque, enough that the Blue Jays are going to pay him among, like he's going to be in the realm of some of the elite relievers in all of Major League Baseball as a strength of this Blue Jays team. I mean, it was the pitching staff overall, but the back end of the bullpen it did the thing that many people wanted them to do mm-hmm. a season ago, which was have more str- uh, swing and miss, more strikeout potential out of the back of that bullpen. I mean, now you, you got Chad Green back in the mix. I mean, you, you, you're going to continue to have that be a strength at the back end of your bullpen. You're, you're going to probably look to continue to add arms, but that's 
I mean, of all the questions headed into 2024 for this team, the bullpen is not one of them. Yeah, what what, what did you say? It was, it was two years, 21 million? Is that it? If you didn't do that, we would be sitting here by, I don't know, May, saying you need to go out there and find your $10 million reliever. You had to go do it. This is clearly the thing that's missing for this team. It is always, if you think you're a competitive team, you always have to go out and find guys like this. And yes, sometimes they're guys who are at the tail end of their kind of team control. So you do get them for much cheaper for that spell, but obviously you're going to have to pay more of a premium in in that regard. So I just look at this as if you think you're going to contend in 2024 and there's no reason that this team shouldn't. There are question marks for sure, but there's no reason the team can't compete that that's exactly the type of guy you have to have in the fold of your of your bullpen and this is part of the you know I know like money can be a touchy subject at times regarding the budget here but this is part of having financial bite is saying yeah okay it's a bit mm-hmm. of a luxury let's go get it yep absolutely and this rich is- people love luxuries <laughs> I've, I've heard I wouldn't know <laughs> yeah this is a guy that's not going to be pitching in the ninth inning of, of baseball games at least to start the season I mean could there be a scenario in which Chad Green emerges as the closer for the 2024 Toronto Blue Jays I would say yes. And that's just don't tell Jordan Romano that. I mean, that's a guy that you give ten and a half million dollars per season to. But the big story in Major League Baseball yesterday is something that we've been kind of banding mm-hmm. about back and big forth. Manager with, show with uh with uh, our cavalcade of major league baseball guests over the last month has been the the changing thought process around baseball teams and the position of manager. And we saw the success at Bruce Bochy had Mm -hmm. in Texas with that Rangers team, a guy that, yeah, is old school, has some pedigree, but somebody they had to go out and get. I mean, he he had to also agree to come out of retirement to take that job, which ended up a pretty good call on his part. I think think he's happy with that. But that there might be a sea change in thought process about the manager's position. So Craig Council has had this tremendous run of success on a shoestring budget in Bruce, Milwaukee. Yeah. He, his contract expired mm-hmm. this past season. I mean, the, the Cubs asked the Brewers for permission to speak to him. They said no. They had to wait for his contract to expire. Sign him to an $8 million per year contract over five years, becoming the highest paid manager in all of Major League Baseball in this moment. Mm-hmm. Last time they did something like this Mm -hmm. was going out and getting Joe Madden, who was the hottest name available. So cool. On the manager market. This to me feels like teams understanding that there is value in that position, that it's not plug and play, that Mm -hmm. it's not your Aaron Boone's, your John Schneider's who have institutional organizational knowledge Mm -hmm. that are easy fits, easy sells that can execute your game plan, there is value in having somebody bringing outside information, mm-hmm. their own sensibilities to a clubhouse, whether that be, yeah, the the day-to-day interactions with players, mm-hmm. but also in-game strategy. I don't know, this tells me something. I know it's hard to, to, to compare Craig Council to Bruce Bochy, who's like a mm-hmm. thousand years older than him, <laughs> but I do think there's a parallel there that teams are understanding, hey, we we can plug and play, Guys, and, and, and lots of teams do it, but there's like an added percentage value to getting somebody in that position that can actually increase your winning percentage. Craig Council is at the proof is in the pudding over the last decade with the Brewers. Yeah, he's done a he's done a wonderful job there. It is, you know, I know this is a kind of an aside from what we're actually talking about here, but it's just I could not tell you the last time I remember this happening in pro sports of basically a coach getting poached. Not that 
coaches don't leave for other teams, but it's like, yeah, the Cubs could just offer them a way bigger bag. Like we know the Brewers have a shoestring budget. I, I it honestly feels like college football stuff that, that the, he's, he's moving in this regard. But as much as I want to agree with you and I'd love a world where you say where, where ownership is saying, yes, you do want a manager who has more autonomy, who has their own thoughts and their own way they want to go about this. But it's not necessarily uni- universally true across baseball because, and maybe this is totally unfair to the guy, hey, go out and prove me wrong, but Stephen Vogt retired after 2022. He sat on the Mariners bench for a year, and now he's going to be the manager in, in Cleveland, and I highly yeah, that was an organization that just had Terry Francona, who was exact, like, who was the poster boy for so, this. But right? is, this not the other, is this not the exact flip side of it? It's mm-hmm. like a guy who was recently removed. Like, how much managerial cred? I mean, it depends on what... He's a catcher. I know that plays a part of it. No, but it's a, it depends on where you are in your development ah, okay right? all right that's uh, that's fair so the idea is effectively go cheaper a little earlier on and then when it's time to win you push the chips in mm-hmm. same way you would for your big power bat or your big power pitcher or whatever it is well when john schneider was was signed to his contract extension after taking over mm-hmm. as the interim manager yep. of the toronto blue jays after charlie montoya was fired that was very much a team in its window of contention mm-hmm. i mean this is I had many a conversation that off season about yeah how much sense Terry Francona would have made for this Blue Jays team, and I I, I guarantee you there were conversations in that front office mm-hmm. about Terry yeah, Francona. <laughs> yeah, there, there's of course there's going to be teams that 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 disagree with this line of thinking. There's going to be the Tampa Bay and Kevin Cash. It yeah. feels like manager emeritus there forever right. and ever and ever until maybe, you know, he has a Joe Madden moment. Ownership? What's going on? <laughs> and let, yeah, at, at some point he's going to have a Joe Madden moment where somebody poaches him away from that, mm-hmm. that franchise. I would just say that it, it, the, it feels a little bit different now in major league baseball and good for the guys that are in that chair and that have, have had success being major league baseball managers. Um, because it did feel like, yeah, there was, you know, when Kevin Cash was having an, mm-hmm. a, a run of success with the the Tampa Bay Rays, that it did feel a little bit plug and play. It was more about the relationships you had with your players as opposed to having a, a, a track record of success and, and mm-hmm. bringing something new to the table. This does feel like a, a pushback from that, though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if this does become a touch more of a trend of just how stark the divide will be between guys who are there to be a bit more of caretakers and guys who are there to manage their their ball club. And if this is going to be a trend we see across baseball, of kind of we see it in every other facet. So why wouldn't it exist here of like the haves and have nots in terms of, yeah, we're going to prioritize everything. We're going to go out and spend all the money we possibly can versus a team who kind of tries to do it a slightly, slightly different way. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And the Cubs, I mean, this is like you said, it's their MO. They've done this before and it worked. So I can understand why, you know, I'm not saying Madden's the reason they won and broke the curse and all that, but he was there, man. Exactly. He was yeah. there. Uh, and David Ross, like you, you want to talk about the guy who's the, the <sighs> players manager and Man. yeah, I, I mean, can, can do the, the relationship thing, but yeah, they moved away from that to a guy that has had uh tremendous success over the last eight years in Milwaukee. All right. When we come back, back into the Leafs who snapped their four game losing streak in dramatic fashion yesterday at home against the Tampa Bay lightning. Are we reigniting the Matthews versus McDavid debate? We'll talk about that. You're trying a, a little bit. Uh, and a lot more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.